All right, how we doing, everybody? I am your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Massive Friday episode for you guys today. Jacob Lane was here, and we had to cut almost all of it. We previewed Louisville, Virginia. That's not happening anymore. We talked about the election. You all never get to hear any of that, unfortunately, but you will get to hear us talk about the Louisville basketball bubble and react in real time to the cancellation of this weekend's game. Then Austin Bickett is going to join me for our weekly segment on college football and NFL picks. Wouldn't miss that. And then, of course, Lexi Browning joins me to discuss one of the most dramatic seasons ever bachelor red talk we're back but before we do our show is brought to you by thrive fantasy sports go test your daily fantasy and player prop skills with thrive use promo code red with two d's for a free 20 dollars available on app stores everywhere all right let's get it going Jacob Lane is here. We are back. It's been a little bit since we've done a Louisville segment, and I can't explain it, but it just feels right. How are we doing? I'm good, man. Will, it is so good to see you in your closet, man. I I applaud you on your jersey selection. There's a lot of haters out there that don't like jerseys, but uh, I applaud you for that, man. The jerseys are looking nice. It's great to be back on the show. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there is. And people really don't like adult males wearing jerseys. And I'm not even going to get into it on here because I don't want people that had no opinion on it to form a negative one about it because I I think it's awesome. It's like the most expensive piece of sports clothing you could buy. And people just look at it like it's lame. Why is it lame if it's the most expensive? That's not how the rest of the world works. I, I disagree with it entirely. I think it's it's a very versatile piece of clothing, right? You can wear jerseys. I'm a big jersey to the game guy. Like I love wearing them basketball season. That jersey you have right over your left shoulder there, that Louisville jersey. I wear that to every game, uh, and I love it. And then in the summer, I have these old school throwbacks that just so happen to work well as tank tops by the pool. Tank tops when it's a hot day. Like why would I not rock? You know, some of the 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 most fire gear that I have. Multiple times a year in a variety of ways. People are silly who, you know, don't want to wear a grown man's name on the back of their jersey. Stop it. Yeah, those are my heroes. It makes no sense. Like, does it make sense for me to own 19 Cubs jerseys? No, of course not. But I still do it, you know, because it's exciting and it's part of my life. But let's talk about the cards. Let's move to a sport where we're not even close to five losses because we played zero games. But it looks like we're going to play games. And college basketball this year has been one of those things where I look at it. I'm like, can this really happen? It's indoors. It feels worse than football. It feels less likely than football. In college basketball, you have that like stain on your mind where you remember the tournament being canceled, the biggest part of last year. And now we're going into kind of this unknown time. I'm still not totally sure that we're going to be able to play college basketball, but we have a plan. We have teams on our schedule. That's enough for us to talk about it. We have a Louisville bubble, the Wade Houston Classic. Is that right? The classic? The bubble? Yeah, what, what? The, the Wade the Wade Houston shootout classic paradise jam tournament. Okay. So- yeah. <laughs> I missed a few things there. But Wade Houston, uh Louisville assistant from 1976 to 1989. His son is Alan Houston, Louisville legend, former NBA great. So there's some uh facts for you about why this is called that. Do you have anything also- else? 
also the worst recruiting burn probably in Louisville basketball history, I would say, losing Allen Houston to Tennessee, right? I mean, that, that's got to be something that's considered here. There's a lot of hard feelings still. Has to be, but when you look at it, th- this man, Mr. Wade Houston, who we've named our bubble after, has five years of head coaching experience. They're all Tennessee. So, you know, if he's going to pick somewhere, it, it kind of makes sense. I'm not mad at it. But we have, what, like nine teams, including us, coming to this bubble. We're going to play Southern Illinois, Seton Hall, Prairie View A&M, Western Kentucky, and UNC Greensboro all at the Yum Center. What are your thoughts? I am so excited about this schedule. It's really interesting that we are three weeks away from college basketball starting, and we are just now getting a schedule. Normally, we have months and months to dissect, you know, the, the best games, possible losses. Uh, but so the last few weeks, you know, I've been following closely. Shana Russell, the Courier Journal, has been kind of giving us the the updates on what the Louisville bubble was going to look like. And when they added that chunk that had, um, you know, Southern Illinois. Um, North Carolina, Greensboro, that school, Decane, I think is how you pronounce the name of that school. It does not look like that. I always get confused with the spelling of Duquesne, uh, but there, Winthrop, uh, and a couple of other teams, Western Kentucky, Seton Hall, obviously were really exciting, but this is a this is a, a bubble that's got a lot of really good mid-major programs, and um, that's exciting and scary uh, as a Louisville fan. Um, Louisville's going to get tested early, but not like too much, right? You're not playing in that first five games outside of Seton Hall, which is going to kind of take a step back this year. You think that you can win these games, but you know you're going to get challenged, right? You know that you're not going to get – you're not going up against Duke. You're not going up against Michigan State. You're going up against some some competitive teams who are going to give you some some games, and you're going to be able to kind of get figure things out. Um, so I really like that aspect of it. There's competitive games. Um, there's rivalry games or you know games that are in-state games with Western Kentucky sneaking in there. Um, the Seton Hall game should be competitive. Those are two teams that are younger trying to work in new stars. Um, and it, it's going to be entertaining to see how it all plays out. Like they're playing triple header games for 12 days. Like, first of all, I wish that I could just find a way to be off work for 12 days, like to come up with some grand excuse to be able to go and watch the games um, or be able to just watch the games at home. Because I have a, I have a, I'm not going to get into this tonight, but I, I've got a feeling, I, I've got a certain type of opinion on them hosting fans for games this year. And so I, I'm interested to see how it all plays out. It's going to be really exciting. Um, and I think that this basketball team is going to have an opportunity to really um, work through the kinks early, which is good for the long-term outcome. It is, it is. And it feels like those early losses just destroy the fan base's hope. It's been like that our whole lives. It, it doesn't always end up being true. Sometimes it is a pretty good indicator of how we're going to be because they are out there playing, but it's not the end of the world. And like you said, I love that they're going to get tested early. There's some cool storylines in this. You got Kevin Willard, the former Rick Pitino assistant. We play Seton Hall all the time. He's going to be back in the house. They don't have Miles Powell anymore. That's right, right? That's correct. Yeah, so that's a big deal. That dude was unbelievable. And then we have WKU. They're going to get Charles Bassey back. The poor guy cannot keep himself away from injuries, but let's hope he has a healthy year. He's supposed to be a NBA guy. UNC Greensboro is always in the tournament. And then after that, we know that we're going to play at Wisconsin and we're going to get Kentucky. So it it should be a really, really fun non-conference schedule. I feel like a lot of times in normal years, we look at our non-conference schedule and we're like, well, that's boring, but who cares? Because we have to play in the ACC, so every game is absolute hell. But this year, it's really cool. Yeah, the schedule all the way around, right? You're playing a shortened non-conference schedule with only seven games. They fill that out really well. I mean, obviously, Prairie View A&M is kind of the stinker that snuck in there. Um, but overall, to play 
um, what I believe will be for sure a tournament team in UNC Greensboro, a competitive Big East team, a Western Kentucky team that's somehow full of like four-star recruits. Like I think we sleep on that in the state of Kentucky, but that roster has got some dudes on it that can that can play. And then Wisconsin should be a top 10 to 15 team. Um, and then obviously the game with Kentucky, which who knows what can happen when there's no fans involved where Louisville kind of has maybe some of the pressure taken off of them. Um, you know, well, I guess there is there is going to be fans. I shouldn't say no fans involved because they're going to have fans in the stands, but the, it's not a full environment that, you know, um, has kind of gone in uh, spite of Louisville, I think, the last few years. Like, they've played worse with with their crowds or even on the road, whatever the case is. So um, it's going to be intriguing, man. And then the ACC, it, there's a lot of moving pieces in the ACC. I think it's going to be some of the same teams at the top with Virginia and Duke. Uh, North Carolina, Louisville, Florida State, Syracuse sneaking in there, North Carolina State. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of really good games this year. Um, and I think that when we get to game eight, when you make it through your seven non-conference games, we're going to kind of have a good understanding of what this team is. I think we're either going to know whether or not this team is going to be capable of just being a tournament team, whether this is a team that maybe like – maybe like. Um, what the year that they that Louisville went to the Final Four in 2012, where that team just kind of came out of nowhere with a lot of young pieces, um, you know, maybe that happens. Maybe this is a 2016 team with Damian Lee and Trey Lewis, where grad transfers are a lot better, and this is a team that can go to the Final Four or Elite Eight. So I think we're going to know that after those first seven games. Yeah, which will be nice. It's great to have answers. It's great not to roll through every game and not really know what you are or what you could be, because like we see with the football team, you can still find potential in losses, especially in a non-conference schedule in basketball, where you're going to play even this year we're going to play you know 25 plus games so who knows what to expect you really can't predict the Kentucky game at all until you watch them play because every fan whether you like the cats or not I love you regardless but you got to learn all those guys you got to learn all their names you got to learn whether they're good or not it's really tough it's overwhelming every single season and yeah it's it's a completely new group of guys so for Louisville we're ranked where we always are going into the season, right? Depending on where you look, you're seeing stuff from 15 to 23. Who's the guy who makes that Louisville jump that we see? We've seen it since Rick Pitino a few times with Chris Mack, a guy that, you know, didn't do all that much the year before, but he's the, the part of the team, like one of the key members to our success who makes that jump this year. Yeah. I think that the guy overall is going to be obviously Carly Jones for Louisville this year. I, you know, I, I am in the boat that when a graduate transfer is your best player, that's not typically a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of had that feeling going in to the beginning of the off season, or I should say kind of going into that last part of the off season into when they started to work out of, you know, maybe, maybe him being the best player on the team isn't a great thing. And that maybe Samuel Williamson has to be that guy. He has to be the best player. And Carly kind of has to be his number two. Or David Johnson has to be one. Carly kiss two. Now I'm a little bit more comfortable with Carly Jones being the one. There's a lot of hype out there. And um, programs don't kind of build up that hype to that level. Uh, and 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 media people kind of around college basketball, if there's not some validity to it. So I think he's the guy. But in terms of the leap, I think if Samuel Williamson is healthy, if he gets the minutes, that he is the guy who can really surprise people because the the dude is a scorer. And he didn't not play last year because he wasn't good or he wasn't ready. He he didn't play a lot last year because he had to sit behind, you know, a guy in Jordan Wara who is your go-to scorer, um, you know, the best shooter on your team. And then obviously Dwayne Sutton, who is uh, Chris Mack's BFF forever. So, like, you know, it's kind of hard to break into the rotation and get consistent minutes where this year he's going to play 25, 28 minutes a game. Uh, but the question is, for me with him, 
does Chris Mack play him at that three spot where, you know, he was really stubborn and kept him last year, kind of only in that one position. Um, does he play in that role and take it, you know, advantage of being on the wing and being the primary scorer? Or does Chris Mack start Charles Menlin and Sam plays that four spot and you, you kind of see him transition away from, or, you know, taken out of some of his comfort spots and put into different spots where maybe he's not so comfortable and you don't get that level of jump. So those are the things that I'm kind of watching for. But I think Sam is going to be, you know, kind of like Terry, man. You know, we have a lot of hype. We're, we're not so sure whether or not he can do it. And then he comes out and he just gets going. Yeah, whichever way it's going to go in terms of whether he's going to be the two or the three or the four on this team, you're looking at it and you're like, well, it depends on whether he can make threes. I feel like Chris Mack is going to keep him, you know, lower in the offense, for lack of a better term, if he can't make shots consistently out there. And who knows how we'll be with that, because David Johnson has the potential to be a top 10 draft pick one day, maybe. But he's got to learn how to make threes. But that seems like a simple thing to do with a ton of time off. If he learned how to shoot threes, that guy's going to be crazy. The team should be really really good i, I want to do more of like an extensive basketball preview as we get a little closer to the season but the schedule's out you can finally look at it that's really exciting and we have games that you can be excited about which probably isn't the case for a lot of teams out there jacob this uh this was a blast i will talk to you soon go cards a lot of positive things going on for the cards huge game saturday basketball upcoming hopefully this was fun Sheesh, yeah, did you guys hear that? I, I even said, like, you know, a lot of positives coming up for the cards. It's it's crazy. I mean, you cannot make it up. But, yeah, here's what uh, me and Jacob threw together right after we found out that uh, our prior podcast segment was completely useless. All right, so we're back. We were talking about other stuff, hanging out, having a pretty good time after the podcast. But it turns out that per Jacob Lane, one of the best reporters I know in the world, the Louisville-Virginia game has been canceled as of one minute ago. So I'm probably going to cut a lot of that stuff out, I guess. You're um, turning me into the guy who reads a tweet and then retweets it as he's the source that broke it. Yeah, nice. Per sources, a.k.a. Jacob Lane. A.k.a. Louisville, Adelson from ESPN. Yeah, the Louisville-Virginia game has been canceled. Uh, what a bummer. I mean, God. Yeah, we. I was kind of excited about that. LSU's off. The Rams are off. That was all I had this weekend. But you can <laughs> take you, that away. You will, you will take nothing and like it, my friend. It's interesting because uh, – there's a lot of people or some people, a quiet minority that, that thought the game shouldn't have been played last weekend. Uh, so this makes sense. I'm sure that that means they've probably had more positive tests. That means that they've had more people they've had to put into quarantine because of contact tracing. So it's smart that they're doing this because you, you don't want a massive outbreak. Like you're seeing some of the teams that are canceling three and four weeks at a time because of the outbreaks. It just sucks though, man. I, what am I going to do Saturday now? I'm not a big college football fan like at all. And so if, if Louisville's not playing, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm going to bet on probably everything that happens and still have a relatively normal day, but I won't have that to look forward to all day. It's very, very sad. Kind of devastated by it. It does make sense, though, because it's not like Louisville and Virginia are title threats. So why go out there and put everybody's health on the line in terms of uh, being smart and looking at it like an adult situation, but looking at it like, like I would look at it, I'm pretty bummed out. Yeah, and, and they're now saying that all uh, football activities will be postponed for what I guess is a minimum of at least seven to ten days. So now uh, I believe Louisville plays Wake Forest next Saturday. So that starts to put the clock on whether or not that game is going to happen. This was always a fear. 
heading into a pandemic football season that this could happen. And here we are, man. Hopefully, mm-hmm. everyone is safe, and that uh, that that you know the the players and coaches and people around the program who do have the virus are going to be okay. Yeah, I, I definitely hope so. I am really happy we did that Louisville basketball segment. I mean, good lord, can you imagine? I mean, I, I would literally have nothing. I mean, I would have nothing like the Virginia Tech game. I can keep that stuff in there. That's fine. It was good stuff. But, but really, you know, I mean, it might not even matter. That, that could be the last game of the season. We, I'm about to put the music behind it, like you did when you and Presley did your final Big Red Louie episode, and like it, it literally just ha- us having a normal conversation with the music behind it. Like that, that was our season. I, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't ask my thoughts on Claire. I've, I, I thought that we that we had that kind of bachelor bachelorette vibe going on but clearly my my bachelorette takes need to take up a step and i'm gonna have to start getting a little bit better with that but uh yeah man i mean at least we got basketball right yeah we have basketball and, and you know that'll lead us into it we're recording this on wednesday no idea what's gonna happen tomorrow but i know it's gonna be an absolute electric show i've been thinking about it all week i can't believe that something as as big slash small as the presidential election I actually got it moved back two days i think it's one of the poorer decisions that i've ever seen happen but that that is just me and i mean that is literally only me yeah you know jacob real quick uh claire Tasha, dale a bunch of other guys that are really really irrelevant what do you think I got to tell you that the the roast was hilarious. I thought that uh, how uncomfortable Claire was was entertaining as can be. I also loved the fact that at the end of episode, the last recent, the most recent episode, when um, they're they're having their group date, and Claire is just like, "Yeah, well, what did Dale say about me?" Like just asking them, "Well, what was that? Why would he say that?" Like uh, trying to like get all of these in, this information about Dale. Like you are just so conniving. No one's falling for Claire. Uh, oldest bachelorette in history bachelor nation loves it she's gonna be tossed everybody's gonna get what they want which was Tasha all along it, it couldn't be working out any better claire hasn't been great i'm very excited for her to be gone but i will never forget when she looked at brendan or brandon or whatever his name is to in that last episode and she's she was up there roasting and she said i, I thought i sent you home already it, it's it's the hardest roast in Bachelor history. I will never forget it, and I will never like totally dismiss Claire because I've had time to think about it now, and I was kind of mad at Claire after the last episode, but that's the only thing that I really remember after a few days. It's like, damn, that was hard. That dude is defeated. Everybody at his house is pushing him on the shoulder like, yeah, dude, have some. You got roasted by, yep, the oldest Bachelorette in history. He, so, he, he took the, the worst L out of anyone last week, that is for sure, but it reminds me of Peter when he told Victoria that he didn't remember remember what she did when she like you know walked up yeah. to the house for the first time and she was shook like so embarrassed and and it it's almost maybe even to the level of the champagne pop in the face like that like all of that is just like those are the moments you don't want to find yourself in and homeboy got that i thought i sent you home already like yeah so under the your, radar you go up and go home man yeah, so under the radar, and it sucks even worse for him that you could put a lineup of all these dudes out, and I couldn't pick him to save my life. I could probably do an eliminator pool and not like, literally make it to like week nine, just picking people that aren't him. It, it's absolutely astounding how irrelevant that guy is, and that Claire just put him down. And to your point about Peter doing that to Victoria F, I mean, I can't believe we were talking about this, but like, how could he do that? I could tell you what Victoria F's last twelve Instagram posts are off the top of my head. It, it was so atrocious of Peter to do, and I was giving him credit last year, last week. Wow, what a season he had. Look at whose final four was. Look at who he ended up with, Kelly. Yeah, that was pitiful from night one on Peter, and it has to be better. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm happy that he's happy, but I'm also happy for Victoria because there's better things on the horizons for her. I would imagine she'd marry somebody the caliber of like Drake. <laughs> oh my God, that's a that's a great line. And I would think so too. She would definitely connive her way into a marriage with Drake. That sounds like her. Um, uh, but the other thing with this season, man, is I can't get over the fact that Claire looks like Jan Levinson Gold. Like I just can't. I don't know if you're an office guy, if you watch that show, but I've seen a couple of Instagram posts. And every time I see her, I'm like, that's Jan. Like, where is Michael? I declare bankruptcy. Like that is going to be Dale in a few years. Dale's going to be the guy he walks upstairs. His wife's, you know, Claire's going to be full starfish in the bed. It's like, this is what I do it for. This is what I do it. I play on the play on the practice squad. Most irrelevant NFL player just for this. This man, Dale is nice. He's out there just destroying these other dudes. They got no chance with Dale. They're going to need Dale to leave, to get dismissed from competition, to even have a chance with Tasha. They're lucky that Dale doesn't turn around and say, wait, 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 wait. I want to stay. I want to stay and win Tasha's round two. I'll tell you what, I got nothing but respect for Dale. I love people that go out there and you present them a contest and they're like, oh, how many people are playing? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm going to win. I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. I'm not going to be mean to anybody. I'm going to laugh the whole time. Dale, I, you know, I'm saying all this now. It's going to lead into this next segment. Who knows what's going to happen? But as of right now, Dale, you're my guy. Dude, I'm the complete opposite. Dale is a goofball, like just the absolute worst rule bender. But I got to say that the him stopping in the house and his excuse, like as he kind of stumbled back to the group, is me when my wife asked why I didn't do the dishes. Like, oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I walked down and uh, you walked down and what? Um, I saw the door was open, the TV was on, the game was on for a little bit. Like, that's me. I could resonate with Dale's excuse making as he got back to the to the group. But um, I could see why you would like Dale, right? Dale? Yeah. That, that, that last name, man. Like, you can't have that last name and not be the GOAT. Dale Moss, the boy's tough. And you, you look at him and you're like, okay, you've had four drinks and you're going to do whatever you want. And I love it. Like, people get so worried about, you know, you're at, a, you're at work or, or something. You're so worried about whether this person likes you or not. Dale doesn't care. Dale's never going to see these people again after this. He doesn't care if these guys hate him or what America thinks about him. He wants Claire or at least wants to win the show. I'm not sure which one it is, but both are admirable. Both are why you sign up to be on the show. You sign up to win. You sign up to end up with the person. And, you know, Dale is uh, Dale's well on his way. I would imagine that this episode goes a little bit like Dale and Claire. They're either going to do it or they're going to have had prior contact to this before the show. Both are illegal before the fantasy suites. Well, and she got on a homeboy the first night for, for uh, you know, reaching out to her. Diversion. They weren't supposed to. And I'm like, okay, well, that seems interesting that you would bring that up so blatantly to kind of have that out there. And then I don't know if you caught this. And maybe, well, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I didn't hear this. My wife and I looked at each other when she said it. Um, there was an incident in one of the episodes where Claire is mad and she wants Dale. And she tells the producer to go get her fiancé. I don't know if anybody heard that. I heard it very clear. I heard it yeah. very clear. You don't throw that word out there and sneak it in. So I'm I'm curious what there there's some kind of string pulling things happening here that we don't know about. I want the I want the details, man. Yep, Dale and Claire, you just got to get through Thursday night. Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, it's going to be a rough media cycle, especially if if that's true, but you got to get through there. And you know what people can't critique and what they can't hate on? love so that's all you got to do is be in love stay in love never break up and both of your all's reputations are going to be fine it was all going to be looked at like it's well worth it but if that doesn't happen oh my 
Paradise will get a little bit more fun, though. I hope so. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I was calling that one guy Chris on Paradise, Old Beast, and I mean Claire's got like seven years on him, so I, I don't I don't know if we need to go that route with these two. But I, I do think they both need to be ejected from the show. But I would like to see us pan back to him at the end. Maybe watch him get married. You know, America needs a little happiness, a little a, a good ending. There's nothing wrong with it. And, and Dale. He, like I said, he may not be the best guy in the world, but he does it all with a smile. And I think that's admirable. His smile is cringy. I will say that. His smile has got some mischievousness and some some devilishness to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the man drips swagoo, man. He's got the juice. He's got yeah. the sauce, man. And, I, and yeah. you can't, when they got the sauce, you can't knock him. Yeah, he's got the white, white beater with the with underneath it. Jacob, this was fun. Uh, I'm glad we got some time now to fill this out. We, we had no plans to talk about The Bachelor, but I mean, God, I got to put something on this now because uh, we just wasted a bunch of our time talking about a Louisville Virginia game that is not going to happen. That could do it for our Louisville football season. And if that's the case, that's really sad because, uh, man, we were, we were, we were coming. We we had some good performances ahead of us. I just felt it, but could be ripped away from us. Jacob, this was this was fun again. I will teach you YL again. See you later, my friend. It's not goodbye, but see you soon. TTYL. All right, A.B., Austin Bickett, we are back. Both A.B.'s are now back, and the one I'm sitting with is confirmed. A much better guy than your newest Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver. How are we doing? Doing good. Excited to see the other A.B. back on the field. Picked him up on fantasy. Too scared to start him this week, but we'll see how he jails in that new offense. Yeah, pretty cool. Same nickname. I get that you know you probably have a lot in common with him, so you're probably just riding hardcore for his yeah. success. Yeah, both really talented dudes. We just don't share the same the same morals and the same values. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. There's always time for change, and that's why the Buccaneers have brought him in. But short segment for us today. There's already a ton in this episode. Biggest Bachelorette episode of my life coming up here in about two hours. I can't believe it. I've been listening to Eminem all day. I'm ready to rock. But we got picks to give out. We've done it every week. I'm not going to just go back on my word and just stop doing something that I started doing. It's just not what kind of guy I am. So here we go. Three picks a piece. I'll let you get us started because, you know, last week I know you we had a reputation game. And for whatever reason, you thought <laughs> that the that the Eagles and the Cowboys were going to score more than 42 points. Oh, man. And, and an absolute miracle and, and a gift from God, you got 12 points away, right? Yeah, because it, it really should have been like a, you know, 12 total points scored yeah, the game the, somewhere around The miracle that. happened too late. A bunch of miracles happened, and you got to a total of 30, which, you know, is an obvious under. It's, it's very easy to see. So I win the reputation game of the week last week. I'm not the kind of guy to gloat and go on and on about it. So I'll leave it at that. We'll see if we get one this week. But y- your first pick, and if you'd like to give an explanation for whatever the hell you thought that, you're, okay. you're welcome to. Yeah, hand up, bad pick. But to be fair, they got in the red zone twice and turned it over. There's a couple of red zone field goals. So it should have been closer. But I didn't expect Anucci to be that bad. So that one's on me. Also, Wentz. Might have been the worst quarterback on the field that night. Slept on. No, no, that guy's a seventh round <laughs> pick from James Madison. They dead ass started him for a marathon. They were running. They were running plays you see high schoolers run when they don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball. It was one of the craziest NFL things you'll ever see, and we got to see it on primetime. But six one, my last two weeks on here, and I gave out Steelers money line, which is plus, was plus odds. So I, that I, is kind of like me to yeah. point out the one loss. I live. 
I'll live with uh, that. That was me pushing because it was a primetime game. I should have just stayed away. I should have just been like everybody. I should have just went to bed, honestly, but I didn't. So that one's on me. So now that I'm hot, I'm going to try to get some of my own luck. This might be a little biased, but I think it's the first time I've ever gave out the Broncos on here. But I'm going with Broncos plus four against the Falcons. I just think these teams are too even to give out four points with either side. And uh, Ridley is doubtful now. The Broncos have a pretty solid defense regardless of their offensive woes the first seven games. And one of those teams is five and two against the spread. The other one's three and five. So uh, which one would you trust more with the points? That's fair. I I, uh, I don't hate the pick. You want to know how, gotta... how stupid I am? I've talked myself back into this Broncos season being on. And it might be on if we win this game. Yeah, that seems pretty ridiculous. But last week you beat the AFC super under the radar version of the Falcons, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. You look at the Chargers and the Falcons, both of them have terrible records, but both of them could have really good records if they just didn't do the things that they do on the football field. Yeah. So the, the Broncos winning last week was one of the bigger flukes I've ever seen in my life. I was on the Chargers but, money line. It hurt pretty bad. Yeah. But the Falcons have had a little extra time to prepare for this game. This is stay away from me because yeah. I know Todd Gurley's going to get hurt. He's been playing now for eight weeks. He's already done the thing where he leaves the game a few times and comes back. This is the week where he goes, you know, nobody wants to wish injury. You know, I got more Todd Gurley jerseys than anybody you know. But I know Todd Gurley better than anybody you know. And I know he's going to get hurt and go out of this game. This is the game that he's gone. So I don't hate it. I'm definitely so, taking Matt Ryan over Drew Locke. Oh, well, yeah, that's fair. They're better in the quarterback position. But. I think everything else is pretty much even. But so if the Broncos win this game and the Dolphins and the Raiders both lose, which are both also underdogs, so not not crazy to think about. They could both lose. Then we are tied for that seventh wild card spot. Guess who our next two games are? Dolphins, Raiders. We win. We win Sunday. It is on. Okay, I'm not going to say we win Sunday. I'm not going to say that we're going to make playoffs. But if we win Sunday, we're actually going to play meaningful football in week nine. 10, which is more than I've seen the last five years. So yeah. just ha- just happy to still be on that. As Big Cat says, it's all about being on that in the hunt graphic as long as you can be. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And and that's real nice. You get a little play in tournament with all these other teams. They added the playoff <laughs> spot. Nice of them. But to to make you happy, I'm going to take the Cardinals by four and a half for my first pick. I tuned in and watched the Miami Dolphins beat my L.A. Rams with my best friend in the world, Pat Sheehan. It did not feel good this past week, but it was one of the weirder games you will ever see in your life. Jared Goff on the losing team threw, threw for 355 yards. Tua, in his first game on the winning team, threw for 90 yards. They had the only punt return touchdown in the NFL this year. They had the longest punt return touchdown in Miami Dolphins history. Basically, two defensive touchdowns in the first half. They go into halftime with 28 points. They only got like three more first downs after that. This offense, this Dolphins offense is broken, and I don't think Tua figures it all out in this short amount of time. And the Cardinals, coming off a bye, plenty of time to prepare. The Cardinals have Kyler Murray. And the Rams have Jared Goff. And the Cardinals have a receiver that can actually get open on this fantastic Dolphins secondary. Dolphins defense is really good. The under is worth looking at here. But I'm going to take the Cardinals by four and a half. I don't think Tua goes 2-0. Oh. Yeah, the Dolphins defense is probably the most underrated unit on either side of the ball in the whole league. Um, but yeah, that Dolphins-Rams game is one of the weirder statistical games you'll ever see for a team that lost. I mean, they outgained about 300-plus yards. They had the ball for way longer. They just did everything. It all comes down to those Jared Goff turnovers in the first half and also the punt return. Just a completely weird game overall. I still haven't seen anything from Tua, bad or good enough to make a judgment call on that. But 
just a weird number, four and a half. Uh, not a football number at all. Don't don't like that. Those those numbers always scare me. But the Cardinals are hot right now. I think they've won what four in a row, three in a row. They are now the second most likely team to win the NFC West. They have surpassed the Rams. They are now plus three hundred. I think the Seahawks have gotten up to minus two fifty. I love the Cardinals in this spot. I, I just am not buying the Dolphins. I thought a lot of fluke plays went into that game. But the Dolphins have a ton of just dudes on defense. So it could be a low-scoring game. Think, they could be hanging around. I think Brian Flores might be the best coach in the NFL. I know it's probably Belichick still, but in recency bias. But I'm not going to say he's the best coach, but he's, he's definitely a top-five coach, I think, already. And I think he should definitely win coach of the year unless the Dolphins just collapse down the stretch. So that's a stay away from me until I see more. Every Dolphins game is probably going to be a stay away from me until I see just more plays from Tua. But if I had to pick a side, I'd also go with the Cardinals on that one. Yeah, it's a it's a good pick. Cardinals going to be out there winning a game by more than four and a half. Who do you like next? My next pick is going to be a divisional game, Chargers and Raiders. I'm going to go with the over 52. Uh, not a lot of people are talking about Everybody's talking about the Chargers blown leads, which fair enough, they've blown 16-point leads in four straight games. Very hard to do. But they're also getting in these high-scoring shootouts. I guess you kind of have to be if you are getting 16-point 16, 16 leads and then blowing them. But 31-30 against the Broncos. The Broncos definitely aren't known for scoring. 39-29 against the Jaguars. 30-27 against the Saints. And 38-31 with the Bucks. Uh, the Chargers defense is very injured. Uh, Derwin James still out. Chris Harris still out. And Herbert slings it. So I, I like the over in this game. I think Carr will be able to put up points on that defense. I know Carr's not great, but he's. I think he's good enough. He's competent, and you know what you're going to get out of him. So I, I like the over 52 in this AFC West game. Yeah, I, I like that pick. The Raiders are coming off that weird wind-rain game where they held the Browns to only six total possessions. It was the fewest amount in an NFL game, game was in nuts. the in the 21st century, you saw some field goals go really weird ways, but the Raiders find a way to win it. And like you said, they're in the hunt as well. I would expect the Raiders to beat the Chargers, given that the Chargers just yeah. cannot win. They, they Chargers are minus allergic one. To it. Yeah, it, and that, that spread makes sense because the Chargers look really good when you watch them. I think Justin Herbert over one and a half touchdown passes is pretty much a lock every week. You can usually get it for 160 to 140 on the on the line. I, I, I like that one. I, I could see it going over. It's just weird with the Raiders being so offensively challenged last week. Not really their fault, more so due to the weather. My next pick, I'm going to take a massive money line parlay. And th- these are real things that I bet. You know, a lot of times on the show we just do against the spread, but I'm, I'm going to give you a little peek inside as to, as to how I'm living on the real side of things i'm going to take the steelers they're a 14 point favorite in dallas just to win the game i'm going to take the chiefs a 10 and a half point favorite at home against the panthers just to win the game i'm going to take the cincinnati bearcats 13 point favorite at home against houston just to win the game i'm going to take texas a&m a nine point favorite at arkansas to win the game it gets you to about even money and you look at all these teams cincinnati and texas a&m are real playoff contenders it's weird to say but these sec schools you got georgia you got florida like if you do the math on these teams they're gonna end up with two losses after this sec championship texas a&m has one loss it's to alabama the rest of the schedule's cake texas a&m is kind of sitting in the driver's seat for that four spot assuming notre dame loses to clemson twice which you know we would assume would be the case regardless of what happened last weekend but yeah i like this one i don't see any way these teams lose you put them all together on your FanDuel app or however in the hell you get bets off it's going to get you to even money it's pretty solid yeah i mean i don't see any of those teams losing but a and m would scare me a little bit that arkansas team some something's brewing in arkansas they got a really good running back i'm not gonna say they're gonna lose yeah yeah i'm not gonna say they're gonna lose i'm just saying that'd be the only one i would even think about worrying about 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely didn't see that pick coming. (laughs) Yeah, I'm digging into it. I want to give people a little little inside look. Not trying to go one and two this week or something. What do you you got for your last one? Uh, Last one, no research, no nothing. I'm just going to take the Patriots minus seven on Monday night. I mean, the Jets are the worst team of all time. I know the Patriots aren't very good, but a touchdown from Belichick against the Jets on Monday night primetime. I'm, I'm yeah. the Patriots. If, if the Patriots, like the Patriots will be a game that I'm throwing in money line parlays like that. They're a prime teaser candidate. I don't know about the seven and a half because I'm not sure that they can score seven. Could see them winning <laughs> six zero in New York. But yeah, if the Jets win this game, if that's their first win, I think this could be Bill Belichick's last year in New England. Like you've seen him say things in the media that he's never said before. He's clearly not happy about where things are, but he clearly has reasons for why they are that way. It just kind of sounds like he's tossed in the towel. It's so weird to say uh, just halfway through a season. They actually played pretty good against the Bills last week. I mean, if Cam Newton doesn't fumble, they at worst go to overtime. At best, they could have scored two, three plays later. And they were still one yard away from beating Seattle, but Cam Newton has got back to what he looked like his last couple years in Carolina, and they have no weapons on the outside. And I would never bet on this Patriots team unless they were playing the Jets. So Which they are. I'm just going to go with that. Um, I was wondering what you think about this Ravens-Colts game. Ravens are minus two. The Ravens have one of the best defenses in the NFL. If Lamar doesn't throw that pick six early, like that's a game the Ravens should have won. It's going to kill their chances to win the North. But you look at the Colts. Rivers is somehow, from the moment he went down 21 nothing to the Bengals, he has completely flipped it. I think he's thrown for like 700-plus yards since that moment with only one pick, a ton of touchdowns. The Colts look good. They're, they're kind of injured. You saw Jonathan Taylor had his workload drastically decreased last week, but they got Darius Leonard back. That's one of those guys on defense. It just makes a huge difference in a game. And the Ravens have Marlon Humphrey. He's got COVID. We, we don't know how many people on the defense are going to have COVID. It's a weird spread because two and a half. They're daring you to take the Ravens over under 47 I would lean the under on that game in terms of picking one of the four boxes, but it's really tough because I feel like the Ravens, like that's, it could be a game where they break out, look a lot better. And you're like, okay, you know, the Ravens are still the Ravens, but also there's a lot of reasons to pick the Colts. Yeah. I think, I think this is a game that the Ravens almost have to win. I mean, there's a narrative starting to form around them and around Lamar in particular that they can't beat these good teams. I know they beat the Patriots last year, but they, they haven't beat the chiefs and they just lost to the Steelers. Again, um, I don't think it's all necessarily true. I definitely don't think it's all Lamar's fault, but he definitely didn't play great against the Steelers last week. And I don't know if the Colts are a good team or a great team, but they're definitely pretty good. So this is probably the game of the day, especially in the early 1 o'clock slot. Also, Seattle and Buffalo, that'll be a good game too, but this will probably be the game on the big screens at Roosters and the game that I'm most interested in seeing, not necessarily betting on, just watching. Yeah, that's my last NFL pick is uh, Seahawks by two and a half. Uh, Josh Allen has just drastically plummeted yeah. the last few weeks. I don't think the Bills can score with them. And also the Seahawks defense looked better than they have all year last week. I know they played the Niners, but they, they just looked more intense. The tackling was much sharper. But yeah, this uh, this Ravens-Colts game is going to be interesting. The Ravens have the best pass-blocking tackle in the NFL. He's a $100 million guy. He's out for the season now. That could be a really big deal. You saw Lamar have a lot less time to kind of be creative last week when that left tackle went out. So he's gone. I really don't know who's going to win that game. I won't have any action on the winner. I'll be cheering for Lamar. But, yeah, it's just going to be tough. I think it would go under uh, to to just maximize my card. I'm going to run through this real quick. I'm going to go uh, Florida plus three and a half. I got a bunch of bonuses. Florida plus three and a half. 
Clemson minus five and a half. I'm going to tease the Houston Texans. Houston Texans don't even have a draft pick. There's really no reason for them to tank. Their pick goes to the Dolphins. They're they're playing a guy, uh, playing quarterback for the Jaguars, that quite frankly I've never heard of. He's a six-round pick rookie from Idaho. Starting for the Jags this weekend, you can get the Texans at minus one. I'll tease them with the Lions. I bet Stafford every week. You can get the Lions plus ten and a half against the Stafford Vikings. might not play though. Ooh, yeah. Uh, you heard that. Everybody heard that. If that happens, <laughs> then that canceled. And uh, I'll double down. I'll throw Clemson in that teaser if that happens. Just Clemson to win the game. But yeah, I, I like Clemson to beat Notre Dame. And and yeah, I, I got a lot that I like this weekend, and and that's good because yeah, me Louisville too. could be bad though as well. <laughs> as you just heard per Red Talk, the LSU Tigers are on by. Thank God we got Alabama coming up. We need some rest and and possibly you know just something to maybe cancel the season in terms of LSU just uh, not being out there, not destroying my well being anymore. And then you have the Rams also on by. So. Not a lot going on emotionally for me this weekend. So I'm going to have to give out a card like that and kind of just ride. Just buckle up. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I also like a lot this weekend, which is always a good thing before it happens, and it usually ends up bad. But just if we're throwing out college picks, my two college picks, just lay them with Clemson and also Michigan, favorite bet of the day, Michigan Wolverines at Indiana. Ooh, Indiana's been looking good. No, and Michigan's favored. What's that tell you? What's that tell you was going to happen? Yeah, Michigan just. I think the line's relatively correct. I mean, you know, Michigan probably. I mean, they got a ton, a, a ton of more. You know five-star guys on the team and they did lose to Michigan State that line was really flawed and but they did beat the breaks off Minnesota Indiana their schedule is is really tough they get Penn State Michigan and Ohio State in three of their first four games so I I don't know I'm excited to watch that one I think it's at noon there's not a ton going on at noon you got Florida Georgia 330 Notre Dame and Clemson for the night show and then you also have the return of the Pac-12 I got my Oregon shirt on love Oregon by 11 you already know Stanford's way more worried about COVID than a lot of these other schools. It's a really smart school, smart place. You know, they haven't been practicing. They've probably been, you know, quarantining, not not being ready. No way they win that first game or cover that spread. And, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong for Stanford to do. I'm just saying I'm taking Oregon. Oregon's got about uh, 16 new starters this year. So I'm not scared. Yeah, it goes. Apparently their quarterback looks pretty good in the preseason or not preseason, but training camp, I guess, whatever it is. So, We'll see if he's a little Herbert Jr. But then again, Herbert, I didn't think he was very good at Oregon, so I don't know what's going on out there. I'll bet a little bit on Oregon to cover the spread and a lot on Oregon to look cool as hell in whatever you walk out in. Austin, do you have anything you'd like to talk to me about? Uh, No, I think that's it. I'll let you get out of here since you got so much other stuff going on. Yeah, I do, man. Big Bachelor night. Here here we go, guys. Taste is coming on. Claire's about to get tossed. How's it going to happen? Let's find out. Lexi Browning, we are back. Bachelor Red Talk, week four. What a week. I thought it was going to be a spectacular episode. It was exactly that, and it was another 2020 shortened season. I need a glass of bourbon, maybe some Tylenol. That was nuts. How are we feeling? Yeah, that was a whirlwind. Uh, We still don't know what Dale does for a living, though. Still feel like there's a lot of questions to be asked, but nonetheless, we did cover a lot of ground tonight. 
Yes, we absolutely did. And I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that he models Halloween costumes, which I'm sure is huge for a few days a year. But now we're going to get into the episode. It starts and ends with all of these guys complaining. You know, wow, wow, we don't get enough time. Wow, wow, we're not Dale. So we flash to Claire, who's distraught, and uh, Chris Harrison's looking at America like, and they they go through the entire thing. And Claire eventually says, hey, Chris, the rose ceremony is canceled. Cocktail party, I don't want to do it. I just want to hang out with Dale. And that's all she's been saying all season. So it wasn't a big surprise. But now it's gotten to the point where Chris is like, hey, it's 10 times in a row. I guess I'm just going to let you do it. I'm not going to make you keep doing this stuff. The guys are delusional as hell. They're like, it's, you know, it's not really about Dale. She hasn't made her mind up. I, I believe that one crazy guy in the woods, maybe his name's Jason. He said F- that. What are your thoughts on how this whole thing begins? Because a lot of times on the show, they give you 20 minutes of BS, you know, leading you into it. This guy going pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's been the pace of the season. And it really made me wonder, like, what is the timeline? Because I know everyone is emphasizing how early this is. I mean, we know it's early. We know that this is only week three into the season. But what day are we on in the context of this proposal? Like, how long have they truly been with each other? Because here's here's the thing. Think about this for a second with me. Claire believes that Dale embodies her father, okay? And in this episode, we see that said multiple times, and Dale responds and is like, thank you so much for saying that, but what's your father's name again? He, he actually said, like, yeah, thank you so much, Claire, and I'd like to get to know more about your parents. I believe he said parents. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. I don't have time, but I put it in my notes. That he said parents at the time. I'm not even sure that he even knew that she meant like, hey, you remind me of my father. He passed away because that's how little these people know about each other. I've heard different people throughout the show say things like they've known each other for 24 hours. That's probably a hyperbole. Might not be. Who knows? And I've heard four days. I've heard six days. I've heard two weeks. I haven't heard anything more than two weeks from anyone. It's it's absolutely crazy. And she cancels his cocktail party, right? And Chris Harrison just sends Dale to Claire's, you know, the lesser version of the former teenage earring store. He goes there. Claire immediately confesses her love for Dale, takes that extra step, doesn't just say it in the in the moment interviews, says it to Dale, tells him, like you said, hey, Dale, you're just like my dad. I know it's been four days, but I can just tell. And then Dale, literally, what are your parents like? He has no idea. He has no clue. It's crazy. They haven't even had one of those nights where you kind of just stay up with your significant other and you talk about everything under the sun, everything that you've ever done. And she's just ready to call show. Absolutely. It's as I said, I was like, if they hadn't, if they truly have not spoken or interacted before the show started, then I'm truly concerned for her. And I stand by that. And the only person that echoed my sentiments, the entire show in that entire resort is Blake. He's the only person that was making any sense. I feel like it would make me feel better if Claire would just acknowledge like, I do see one or two red flags here, but I'm just going to take this leap of faith because that's what my gut is telling me to do. Just acknowledge it. You know, anything to make us believe as the audience that you're not a lunatic because I'm not convinced. 
Exactly. That's what's so flawed about this entire process. Like at the end, you know, spoiler alert, they end up actually getting engaged at the end of this episode. It was absolutely nuts. We're of course going to talk about it, but like the fact that Chris Harrison, who's run this show for so long, he's supposed to be the most mature person there was like, yeah, you guys, you, you all should get engaged now that he didn't end it with. Yeah. You know, I guess it's kind of up to you guys to decide because you haven't known each other for very long. And I feel like the best thing going forward would be for you and Dale to just talk about what you want to do next. It's just too logical. It can't happen. But Claire confesses her love and Dale's like, yeah, you know, you're hot. I'm glad I'm here. I like you a lot. And that's enough to make Claire look at him like like a predator in a movie. She had this weird look on her face like I, I am about to attack you, young man. And then we get this awesome Chris and Bree listen to your heart drawback performance. It was phenomenal. And I thought that really it was one of the better moments of the series I've seen. Everything is real on a serious tip. That I thought was a beautiful moment, and yeah, I was I was kind of all in. Yeah, that was a gorgeous song, like really gorgeous duet that they put on there. I was like, Uh, "Wow, I found you." It's on my iPod. (laughs) Don't blame me one bit. Have you been keeping up with Chris and Bree? Because I had no idea they were still together. I was honestly a little bit surprised. Oh, yeah. Follow them both on Instagram separately. And of course, their joint page at Chris and Bree. Big fan of Chris and Bree. So really enjoyed that moment. I'm kind of like, you know, this process is definitely flawed. But Claire and Dale, do your thing. You can't fight love. We heard that a few times. So then I guess they do it. I'm not really sure. But they uh, they definitely show you where he you know, was laying in bed in the morning. So right there, you're like, okay, they probably had sex. And then you get to hear Claire say those magic words that every guy loves to hear the morning after. I don't want you to leave. Not today. Not tomorrow. Never. Seriously. You can never leave. And then they flash to the guys immediately. <laughs> they're, they're, they're shocked after what's happened. They haven't been watching the season. They're just on it. But Dale's gone. Chris Harrison comes in and talks to her like he's her best friend. Like, so how'd it go? Claire said she had clarity. You know, we've been waiting for that all season. But basically says Dale laid it down. Lexi, your thoughts. He absolutely laid it down, and it only uh, made her more of a predator afterwards. Like, I don't know. I mean, she's all in, and we haven't seen Dale really reciprocate that in any real way. He just keeps, like, a super stoic composure that you cannot read at all, does not crack a smile. Like, the eyes are just, like, barely barely readable. I don't know what – I don't know. But she doesn't even need that reinforcement of of words or anything. Like she's got it, everything that she could ever want in a man. Her mind is absolutely made up. And Dale, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. It's it's the most dominant performance in the history of this show. It, it, it was dominant. It was absolutely insane. The kind of hold that Dale had on this entire household of guys. I'm not even talking about Claire. This was pure domination. None of these other guys even had a chance. They should be happy that Dale's gone. Now that Tasha's in the house. But this is my theory on the episode. So this is where it really takes a turn. Everything we've seen until this moment where Chris Harrison comes in talking to Claire after her and Dale's night together was kind of what we expected. We knew this was going to take off. We know Tasha's coming. But Chris Harrison comes in. I kind of think he's a robot. Here's my theory. He's programmed a certain way to where now that he knows that Claire and Dale have had sex, he's on fantasy suites time in his mind. So he's like, okay, well, you guys have to get engaged now. You had sex on my show. 
So you're going to get engaged. There's going to be a ring. You will get engaged. Let's get it going. And Claire, being absolutely nuts, says, hell yeah, I'm 39. Let's do the damn thing. And you, as a viewer, after a beautiful moment with Chris and Bree, are now cheering for Dale to not propose to this woman. Am I wrong? Yeah, I wasn't cheering for him not to propose. I just thought it was a weird kind of buildup that they took on the show as to being like, will he or won't he show up? Like, even in the preview, they almost tried to make it seem like it was like, it showed her being like, I showed up, they didn't. It was like, I don't know. Seems like that's what they were getting at. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, like, do I hate this season because it's boring to just see two people fall in love and that be the end of it. Like that's not why we watch the show. We want them to like explore all the different avenues and everyone get a fair shot in the competition. And I do think that they sort of like brilliantly did it. Like, do you think Tasha had maybe the most iconic welcome into the show? Or do you think she got the short end of the stick because she's getting the leftovers? The season could not be going better. I, I truly mean that. She's coming into what these guys are. They're leftovers. One of the cast members literally called them the leftovers, like him and his teammates. It was absolutely nuts. Her competitors, whatever these guys are. But to your point on Dale, he's a pretty stoic guy. You know, I think it was hard for us to be able to tell how he's feeling about the whole thing. So I thought that was produced brilliantly, actually. It made the episode much more exciting because you can't tell from Dale's mannerisms what he's feeling. You can tell from Claire's that she's ready to have three kids within the next 27 months. It's absolutely crazy. But Tasha comes in. They're going to bring her new guys. The storylines on it are awesome. I think it's all worked out. And after this moment happens where we're like, wait, there's going to be a proposal. That's it's insane. We're about halfway through the episode. It's time for Claire to do the unthinkable, which what I was I was looking forward to this more than anything tonight. She's about to break up with 15 guys at once. It's incredible. You don't see it a lot. The last time I saw it was Connor Mead. That would be Matthew McConaughey's character in Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Incredible performance from him. He broke up with a ton of girls in a really short amount of movie time. But that's basically what Claire went out there and did. And she just tells him, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but I like Dale. I don't really care about you guys. I thought it went pretty smoothly outside of that one guy that kind of looks like Teabag from Prison Break that made a scene. Yeah, that was just like a nice, a nice wholesome group breakup and... That's when I thought Blake was the one making the most sense out of everybody. There were a few gentlemen that wanted to be like, hey, you know what? I lost this round, but good for you, Claire. I just want America to know that I'm still a great guy here and still single. I thought it went really well, and per usual, Claire's going to immediately get defensive that anyone would expect her to apologize for her appalling performance as by far the worst bachelorette we've ever seen. Did she find love? Absolutely. Was she a good bachelorette? The worst of all time, and that's not debatable. I have to agree with you, but now it's time for a classic segment, Say Something Nice About Claire. Her in these dresses tonight, the red and the white, it, it's hard to be mad at her because she's bad, bad, bad. And now it's time after this, after this breakup, which actually went, like you said, a lot smoother than we expected. Claire's up there. She's waiting for Dale. It's time. He's going he's gonna to go propose. We think. Maybe. We don't know. It's so exciting. But Claire's like, I love you. I want to spend every waking moment with you. And he's like, it's wild, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's, he's 100% not doing this. And the one totally <laughs> correct thing 
that was said tonight was Dale responding to Claire saying, hey, look, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you would go to the ends of the earth for me, which is just absolutely a fact. And by God, it's enough. After a week, Dale proposes never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. And you know what? You crazy kids. I hope it works out. Um, oh, yeah. I've personally never felt less during a bachelor proposal. I just <laughs> felt like I just felt like it was pretty hollow and it felt really premature. It was almost like, why is she crying that through this whole buildup? Because regardless, you chose him. So it's like, what's wrong with just dating? You know? Yeah. Like I said, I mean, that would have made just way too much sense. But Claire, Claire couldn't hold it in. She, she's ready to get engaged. And I don't know if Dale is, but I did really like the the video of, at the end where they were like, hey, we've now been together for eight days and we're outside of the bubble and we're having so much fun dancing in the living room, hanging out with our dog in the pool, doing this cool jump rope drill, which actually was pretty impressive. But I'm happy for him. You know, I, I think it's awesome. And, and to Dale, you look back at the history of the show you won't be able to find a more dominant performance. Dale is the American Pharaoh of the Bachelor series. Call it how it is. I don't think anybody should be trying to tear Dale down. Now, what we saw in the preview is they probably cheated. They they probably talked before. They were talking about how they were they should make him take a lie detector test, and Dale was like, I'd pass, you know, with like the irrational level of confidence that Dale, I guess, rightfully has. It makes you feel like they probably did talk a little bit before the show. And we could be getting screwed with by the producing and the editing, but it that's got to be coming, right? You know, I don't know. She swore on her father's grave. That felt Ooh, really right. over the line. And so I'm going to believe her. And I forgot about with that. that being said, I feel like she she fell in love with his social media presence. And I almost feel like she's putting too much, too much hope and expectation into him that like no human being in this flawed world can possibly live up to that. Like, I just want to see them maybe work out one real world problem and acknowledge that like, maybe there are some things that you're going to have to work on. Cause that's what a relationship is. I don't know. I'm just, it's hard for me to buy it because it was so quick, but you know, maybe they just sort of rushed it because they're trying to get through two seasons in one. I'm going to hope for that. Lexi, that's, it's such a great point. You know, we, we do kind of, it would be nice to see them go through some actual real relationship stuff, which believe it or not, throughout the show kind of does happen to these couples throughout this process. It's inevitable. We didn't get to see that with them. And guess what? We're never going to see it. They're not on TV anymore. Because like you said, on this show, it's just not that entertaining to watch two people fall in love. Way more entertaining to watch X amount of guys fight over one girl. That's what we're going to get. Claire and Dale, they're off into the sunset. They're gone, but there's still all these other guys. They're, just, they're distraught. Chris Harrison's giving them a little pep talk, and they're all expected to go home. And then he's like, not so fast, my friend. I'm going to bring in a new bachelorette. And Blake's like, Wait, no, I, I studied for the mom with dementia, but here comes. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. That's not funny. It's not funny. Some people are their car. They laughed. But here comes Miss Tasha Adams, and she is without a doubt with an LL Cool J level of confidence. Bad, bad, bad. It's a two for one season. I'm ready for it. Yeah, very exciting. The big cliffhanger for me is like, 
no limo entrance? How is this going to go down? Well, she got out of the limo. She got a limo in the gold dress. Well, no, but like the guys aren't going to get out of the limo and come introduce themselves with some like mm. weird built up like remember me by this entrance thing. It's just going to be like the aggressive guy that's going to pull her aside and be like, hey, can we chat? Yeah, worked two weeks ago for for my man that uh, walked out of here victorious tonight. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It's unprecedented times, as Chris Harrison keeps saying. And it's so exciting. I can't wait to see where this goes. And I'm really happy that they're doing a Claire and Dale tell-all, which is kind of what bothered me about the end of this episode. Like, It's great that we got Tasha. It's great that they didn't you know, give us nothing there, but they, they kind of gave us nothing. You know, Tasha walks in. We don't even get to see her meet the guys. And just so many times the show ends an episode with no ending. And at like 9.43 tonight, they could have ended with an ending. You know, like Dale and Claire, they're going to get married. They could have ended it with the same little montage they did. But instead, they they ended and they make you go, God. You know, in this case, five more days. Short week. It's brilliant. I mean, just like they they did a good job. They did their job. I'm tuning in next week. I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on the situation. I just my prediction is that based on the preview when Chris Harrison is like, Tasha, everything is about to change. I'm thinking they are gonna bring in like some new guys. I think it And I know it's not wrong at all for these guys to like move on. It's not like they're like cheating on Claire, but why does it feel grimy to me to see all of them like in one episode shift gears to a new bachelorette, which they don't even know who that is. And they're all in and they're like, they expect all these guys to be in there for the right reasons to find love. But it's like, it's proving that that's why they're not, they're there to be on TV. Nah, no? I disagree. I, I actually couldn't believe the part where Zach C was like, well, well, what if I'm not what if I'm not physically attracted to this girl? That's a big part of the relationship. It's like, oh, hold on, Zach C. You got a lot of gray hair, brother. And they haven't put an unattractive girl on this show in 10 years. I don't really think that's going to be a factor. They don't just bring in somebody random off the street. They pick somebody that's that, that the world wants. And, and that's where they missed with Claire. And that's where they're going to hit with Tasha. And you're right. They are going to bring in some new guys. You know, I, I'm kind of in the know with this stuff. And I was notified earlier last week that four new guys at least will join Tasha's season that are more catered to Tasha. At least one of them is going to be a factor per sources, a.k.a. my mom. So. Wow. I yeah, I yeah, she she got called me during work to let me know some of this stuff because I mean it's it's that important. But who knows what we're gonna get? Who knows how many weeks are left? Because they're gonna add some guys. Who knows how many people are getting eliminated every night? And you know, to your point about the guys being able to move on quick, hey, what do you want them to do? That's just part of being a guy. You know, Claire straight up was like, Hey, there's 14 of y'all left, I could care less. Like, what do you want them to do? Be hung up on them forever. I think the ones that are are kind of psycho. Like they knew her for even less time than Dale ultimately failed outside of maybe that weird forest date with the possible murderer guy. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of with the guys. You're losing Claire and you're gaining Tasha. That seems like a win for a single guy that gets to be on antenna level TV. I don't know. But let's talk about the preview real quick before we get out of here. We, we see a couple things like we talked about Claire and Dale. We're going to have all these happy moments, and then we're going to have to find out if they lied to Bachelor Nation. What do you think? Do you think that taints their relationship at all, or do you even care? 
No, I think by that point, like everyone's going to be done caring, you know, like after we see all these guys move on with Taisha, like, I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to care anymore, but I still don't think that they're going to come out and say that they did lie to Bachelor Nation either. That's fair. And then we see Chris Harrison consoling Taisha a little bit. It looks like it's not the smoothest transition in the world. And, you know, like Taisha says, like, you know, some of these guys, I expected them to be attached to Claire. And that's something we can talk about. Like she, she only needs to end up with one. It doesn't matter how eight or nine of them feel. And we see the, these moments where she's really sad and distraught. He's like, I got to tell you something. That's definitely about him bringing more guys for her there. But I mean, honestly, if any of these guys, they can't shake it off. They can't shake off Claire and go after Tasha and not realize what they're getting there. I don't know what to tell. They don't deserve to be on TV. Yeah, I'd say at best, the ones that we would lose would be Blake, Jason, and for some reason, Kenny is really pissed off, which we're not sure why at all. Kenny is the wife beater guy, the one that keeps demanding the apology from Claire and trying to bond yeah, with Chris dude. Harrison being like, Hey, Chris Harrison, what do you think about Claire being the worst? Like that's who called uh, so leftovers. Mad. Yeah. Right. Uh, that guy's a, an absolute goofball, but I would love to see a couple of these guys just kind of go out with some pride. Just literally go up to Tasha and be like, hey, look, I, I have no chance with you. I have no business being on the same field with you. I hope you find love, but I know my place in this world, and it's definitely not with a woman of your caliber. You should be with uh, somebody that's like, uh, I don't know, like on an NFL team, but also does a ton for the community. Like if Patrick Mahomes was single, it, it damn sure should not be freaking Blake who I honestly I know you said you like Blake I'm starting to feel bad for making fun of him because I seriously think that like you know he may you know not be all the way there and that's kind of mean from me but um yeah uh, some of these guys just don't belong I'd love to see him just admit it I mean I think that that would be almost like the crowd pleasing action from some of them like I think that would be like wow what a guy to just go ahead and take this time to collect themselves. Like I think Jason, that's definitely the move for him because where are you supposed to go from here? Like you've already talked about your manslaughter story to one woman. You can't <laughs> just move on to another woman with the exact same story. Like you already used it. So yeah. unless he's got a backup plan, I'd say he needs to go ahead and fold. Yeah, I would. If I was Jason and, uh, you know, 60% of my lines this season were bleeped out cuss words and really the only character on the show that I would be genuinely afraid of if I saw out in public. So shout out to him. Uh, you know, I'm I'm fearful. Lexi, that's all I got. Do you have anything else on what we just saw for the last two hours? Uh, what's your pick for Tasha based on this cast right now? Go. I don't have one. I don't have one. I refuse to make a pick. It's going to make me watch the season differently. I just want to I just want to soak it in. I want it to be like uh, when you first start the show and you don't know them. I just don't want to go into it like that. Easy is just such an easy pick. Like me and Shay said last week, it, it's just not my nature to just, you know, toss in the hand. But he, they do like highlight a quote Easy has towards the end of the episode that makes you think he's going to be a huge factor, which obviously he is. I mean, he's, he's got to be minus – 5,000 to make the final four with these cast of characters they got. But I, I think a new guy is, you know, definitely gonna be a factor because that's what my mother told me and that's what I'll stick with. So unknown variable guy is who I'm picking. Okay. I like that. I'll go with that. That's okay, all. Yeah, we're week. going. 
Yeah, we're going with the person we haven't met yet because that is the cast that you gave us. That's phenomenal. Claire, Dale, let's go. Happiness. I really liked it. I loved how it ended. Lexi, good job tonight. I will talk to you here soon. But yeah, let's see. It's Tasha time. Yes, she mentioned us on her Instagram. She made us who we are today. She did. We're all going to the top. TTYL. <laughs>